love y'all so much, and we just feel the presence of God in this sanctuary. You know, there's, there is something that is residual about the presence of God, and we feel that the anointing is oil, and it's hard to wipe oil off of stuff, and this is an anointed house, and we pray that you feel the conspicuous anointing of God right there in your living room or wherever you are, because it's the anointing, the Bible says, that breaks the yoke. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we break every generational curse. We dismiss every generational spirit. There's an open heaven over your house right now. And revelation is going to run its course in your heart tonight. And God is going to speak to you in a powerful and prolific fashion. You ought to lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I am open to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Please like, comment, and share as we progress our way through this message. You know, I said this morning in a post, we should never bypass the cross in order to get to the upper room. The cross is the stop sign between the crucible and the upper room. We must take a pause today and consider what our Savior went through for us. I thank God he loved us enough to do what he did. The Apostle Paul wrote the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And he said that I may know him. Listen to his heart's desire. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what we're going to talk about all day Sunday. The power of his resurrection. But he says, but I also want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, so that I may be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul, the prolific apostle, writes this church and says, listen, we need to know him in the power of his resurrection, but we also need to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm going to preach a message tonight entitled, There is a cross for the crisis. There is a cross for the crisis. So I was thinking about Good Friday, and I found some information out. I'm going to read it to you. Calling the day of the crucifixion Good Friday is a designation that is really peculiar to the English language, Good Friday. In German, for example, it is Morning Friday. And that is what the disciples did on that day, didn't they? They mourned on this day, on Friday. They thought, the disciples thought, all was lost because of what was going on in the life of Christ. You know, I've read the word good, and it used to have a secondary meaning, being holy. Good meant holy. But I looked for that etymology, and I couldn't find it. When I trace it back, it's not there at the root, at the origin of the meaning. There are a number of cases in set phrases, though, where the words God and good got switched around because of their similarity. Listen to this. One case was the phrase, God be with you, which today has become goodbye. Did you know that? Goodbye started out as God be with you. And it evolved to becoming goodbye. So perhaps Good Friday was originally God's Friday. Right? 
So Good Friday was originally God's Friday. But I think we call it Good Friday because in retrospect, all that tragedy on that day brought about the greatest good that there could ever be. Would you walk with me tonight? Just for a few moments, I'm not going to preach long, but this word is not going to just challenge you or, or, or charge you. This word tonight is going to change you, all right? But I need you to walk with me. Just visit this cross just for a moment. Let's, let's stop. Let's pause. We're going to shout on Sunday, but Friday is here. Let's consider it for a moment and look at Matthew chapter 27. Are you ready? Verse 38. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads at him. And they were saying, you that destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. They were mocking him because he had said previously, if you destroy this temple, I will build it again in three days. So now they're mocking him. And watch what they say. If you are the son of God, underline these words, come down from the cross. He could have, but he didn't. They said, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests were mocking him. The scribes and the elders said, he saved others, but himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from that cross. And if he does, we will believe in him. Thank God he didn't. Thank God he stayed on that cross. Thomas Kempis said it like this, in the cross is health. In the cross is life. In the cross is protection from enemies. In the cross is heavenly sweetness. In the cross is strength of mind. In the cross, there's joy of the spirit. In the cross is the height of virtue. In the cross is the perfection of holiness. There's no health of the soul, no hope of eternal life, save his cross. His cross, we wear it around our necks. We tattoo it on our arms. But I wonder, do we really understand what that cross stands for? Billy Graham, you know him. Here's what he said. God proved his love on that cross. When Christ hung, when Christ bled, when Christ died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. Can we just stop? Can we just pause? Before we break out the baskets and the hats and the new suits on Sunday, can we just pause for a moment and look at that cross? There's a bleeding Savior on that cross. I wrote these words down today that really the cross is the compass for a man's soul. Yeah, it's the cross that puts you in right standing with God. And it's the cross that puts you in right standing with your fellow brothers and sisters. It's the cross. You know, you don't hear much preaching about the cross anymore. 
You hear about success in life, the secrets to abundance, the blessings. But when is the last time you heard anyone address this gruesome, grotesque event called the crucifixion and they preached about the cross? Boy, I'll tell you, this apostle that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, man, he was convicted about it. He was glued to that cross. To the church at Corinth, he wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching, listen carefully, I can see that apostle writing it from prison. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. <laughs> but unto us which are saved, when we preach that cross, it's the power of God. The cross is the power of God. I say, preachers, let's bring it back. Let's bring the cross back to the pulpit. Let's bring the cross back to the platform. Let's bring the cross back to our people. Let's look at the cross again and say with the apostle, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. This cross needed a place. <laughs> this cross was designated. It was destined for a certain place. The place of the cross well, you find it in Luke chapter 23, verse 33, where the Bible says, And when they had come to the place, the place needed a cross, and the place was called Calvary. And on Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right side and one on the left. Calvary, wait a minute, Calvary. Calvary is a mountain. Calvary is Golgotha. The place of the skull? Skeletons are there? This is where people died. And our Savior is there. Jesus hanging on a cross. And he's dying for us. It had to have a place. I love it because that cross wasn't in a valley. You can't kill my Savior in a valley. You can't kill him on level ground. If you're going to crucify him, you're going to have to crucify him on top. You're going to have to crucify him for the world to look at him. Calvary, the mountain. Golgotha, the mountain. Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary where a minimum of 25 events occurred between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. on Good Friday. Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary where a minimum of 10 decisions are made in one day. Jesus Christ was crucified, I said, on Mount Calvary where a minimum of 16 statements were made and among them were the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. I'm going to say it again. My Savior, Jesus Christ, was crucified on Mount Calvary where many conversations were held, including his dialogue with the two men on each side. And he tells one of them, today you shall be with me in paradise. My Savior, Jesus Christ, was crucified on Mount Calvary, where at least five requests were made. And one of them came from him. John, take my mama home with you. Mount Calvary, my Savior. He died on Mount Calvary. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, was crucified on Mount Calvary.
in a sacrifice only he could make. Why? Because he secured a victory only he could win. I'll say it again. He secured a victory on Mount Calvary that only he could win. I listened to President Trump, and I feel the Holy Spirit here, and I know you do in your house or wherever you are. I was listening to President Trump today, this day, Good Friday. You know what he said? He said, we have reached, look at it, the peak of the curve. We have reached the peak of the curve. Everybody's been talking about the curve. The curve to me looks like a mountain. That looks like a hill to me. Doesn't it to you? We have reached the peak. We've reached the top of this virus. So I wrote this down. The crisis and the Christ meet today at the top of the curve. COVID-19 and the cross meet today at Calvary. Jesus didn't come to flatten the curve. He came to cure the crisis. He came to finish it, not flatten it. Let me tell you about my Christ. My Christ that died on top of that curve. Yeah. The one that died on top of Calvary. Yeah. He's never lost a battle. And I can hear a prophet named Zechariah walking here tonight and say, Who are you, great curve? Who are you, great virus? Who are you, great mountain, that you shall not bow down? Lift your hands right now. He is my faithful Father, calling me out of the dark. And I cannot whisper away what he said in the night. Hallelujah. No. Hallelujah. And he is my first foundation yes, my anchor storms may collide but my soul is on fire with his word thank you oh and when listen to the sound yes a power on my lips Woo. Jesus has broken the he has never lost, never lost a battle. And who are you, great mountain? Who are you? That you should not bow low. Jesus defeated the darkness. He has never lost a battle. Lift yes. those hands right there. And he never will, he never will. He, he never, never will. will, and he never will, he never will. Hallelujah. And he never will, he never will. Come yeah. on, let's sing, you are my faithful. You and are. he is my faithful father, calling me out yeah. of the dark. Night cannot whisper, whisper away what Ooh. he said in the night. Oh, I know you can Come on, declare it, say, he is my first my anchor will. My anchor will be moved. Storms may collide, but my soul is on fire with his word. Hallelujah. And when listen 
to a close. I believe right now that the curve is being flattened. I believe it's going to speed up. The mountain is going to bow down in Jesus' name. 
See, the cross needed a place, and the place was on the top, on the top of the curse, on the top of the curve, on the top of Calvary. The cross needed a place. But there's power in that cross. When you look at John chapter 19, verse 32, come back with me. Let's go back and look at it one more time. Look at him hanging on that cross. Then came the soldiers, and listen carefully. It's grotesque. Look at your Savior. They broke his legs. He's already suffering. But they broke his legs. And the other was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already. Watch what it says. They didn't touch him. Look at the next verse. Verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And watch what came out. Blood and water. Wait a minute. What came out? Blood and water? That's, that's not right. You see, your heart rests in a sack of water. When his side was pierced, it should have been water, then blood. But something happened and blood outran the water. See, blood always precedes baptism. You're saved, then you're baptized. You have to take the blood before you can go to the water. (laughs) The power of the cross is in the blood. I'm going to say it again. The power of the cross is what dripped down the cross. The power of the cross is in the blood. One theologian has pointed out the blood of Christ is mentioned in the writings of the New Testament three times more often than the cross. I'm going to say it again. The blood of Christ is mentioned three times more in the New Testament than the cross. Hmm. Five times more than the death is the blood mentioned. That's strong. Why this emphasis on the blood? Why is the blood so strong? Why is the blood of a brother crying out from the ground in Genesis chapter 4 and God hears it? Huh, God heard blood, the voice of blood, blood, blood has a voice. Yeah, and God is the only one that can hear it. You can blow a dog whistle and not hear it, but your dog can. Yeah, we can hear it, but God can. He can hear the voice of blood. Someone stated, the Bible is a book of blood. Really, it's a bloody book. When we are accused of preaching a gospel of blood, we proudly plead guilty to the charge. For the only thing that gives life to our teaching and power to the word of God is the fact that it is blood, which is the very life and power of the gospel we preach. The Bible declares itself to be a living book. The only living book in the world is the Bible. And that Bible is able to impart life to those who believe with their heart what that Bible teaches. And that Bible teaches blood. You know Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher, stated these words. Scripture teaches us that the blood produces life. That life is in the blood. Blood, therefore, is the mysterious link between matter and spirit. How is it that the soul should in any degree have alliance with matter through blood. We can't understand that, but certain it is that this is the mysterious link 
which unite these apparently dissimilar things together so that the soul can inhabit the body and the life can rest in the blood. My God. God is always looking for it. He always has. You ought to lift your hand in your living room and say, God, I thank you for the blood. Why? Because Exodus 12 verse 22 says these words. Make a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. And strike the lintel and the two side posts of your door with the blood that comes from the basin. And none of you, listen, listen carefully, listen, you quarantine people. That's all of us. And none of you shall go out of the door of your house until the morning, until this is over. He said, for the Lord will pass through and he'll smite your enemies. And when he sees the blood on your door, he will pass over you and he will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. This is Passover week. When he sees the blood, he says to the plague, pass over that house. He says to the pestilence, pass over that house. He says to COVID-19, don't touch that house, pass over that house. He says to the coronavirus, don't go near that dwelling, pass over that house. This is Passover. There's power in the blood. Hmm. So I thought. If I could go to Mount Calvary, if I could just go, what would I bring back? Hmm. Here's what I wrote down. If I could go and bring something back, it wouldn't be a thorn from his crown. Nope. It wouldn't be a nail that came from his hand. It wouldn't be the spear that came out of his side. It wouldn't be a splinter from that cross. Nope, nope, that's not what I would bring back. I would not bring it back. I would not bring back a piece of his robe. I would not. I would not bring back a scoop of dirt from under that cross. But if I could bring back just one thing from Calvary, I would try to get me one drop of blood. Why? Because the blood One drop of Jesus' blood cures a whole world of a disease called sin. One drop of his blood heals COVID virus, COVID-19. One drop of his blood gives you a bright future. Somebody said that blood reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. And another songwriter said these words, the blood still works and the blood is working for you today lift your hands right there his blood still works yes, and I'm glad to report that Ooh. it never lost its power I get up on my couch walking around my living room. Yes, Woo. it works. It still I've works. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His blood still works and I'm glad to report that 
its power. That's right. Never lost and its power. On Calvary, it's the same blood. It's a working now for me. Yes, oh, His blood redeems me yeah. from the stain of sin. Yes, His blood it cleanses me deep down within. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ask me how I made it. Yes, it works. Yes, it works. Yeah, I know. 
in here for the blood. God is good. You know, I remember as a little boy, and I say this all the time, as a teenager, actually, my mom used to plead the blood of Jesus all over me. Every time I'd leave the house, she'd say, Ricky, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. And now I hear all my sisters say it over their children. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. And then their children will say it to their children. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. Tonight, you ought to plead the blood of Jesus all over your house, all over your property, all over your children, the blood of Jesus. So the cross needed a place. The cross had power, and that power was the blood. But what was the purpose of this cross? Well, I really believe it's summed up in that sixth saying that came from the cross. Yeah, John 19, 30, here it is. When he had received the drink, Jesus said three words. It is finished. <laughs> the purpose of the cross? It is what? Finished. And he bowed his head. And he gave up his spirit. The sixth saying, there were seven. But the seven wasn't about us. It was about his father. He said, into your hands I commend my spirit. Yeah. But the sixth one, the number six, has to do with man. Yeah. Six is the number of man. The sixth saying said, my work with you <laughs> is finished. I'm done. I thought about that. John is the only writer that says that Christ said that. It is finished. Notice what he didn't say. He did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It is completed. The plan has been executed. The cause has been concluded. The assignment has been accomplished. The purpose has been performed. It is is finished. What is finished? The purpose is finished. It has to do with setting out for a definite goal and achieving that goal and then saying, I'm done. It's concluded. Yeah. Jesus has been saying this a long time, Gino. He's been saying it a long time. In John chapter 4, verse 32, he says, Jesus said unto them, I have meat to eat that you don't know nothing about. And he said to the disciples, the disciples said to one another, I should say, did somebody bring him something to eat? <laughs> and Jesus said unto them, understand something, guys. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, watch, and to finish his work. Way back at the beginning, he started saying, I've got some work to do. And I only have, not only do I have work to do, I have work to finish. The word works there in the Greek means the deeds and the doings of my father. I only do what I see my father doing and my father is done. So it is finished. <laughs> we introduce, we're now introduced to this unique word, never again recorded in scripture. Are you ready? Tetelestai. What? That's what the word is. It is finished. Tetelestai. It's an interesting word. When an artist finishes his painting, he reclines. And he looks at his work and he says, Tetelestai. It is finished. God painted a beautiful picture which inc included a cruel cross. And when his son died, that son said, the painting is complete. It's over. It is finished. 
The word tetelestai is also written on business documents and receipts in the New Testament times. Why? To show indicating that a bill has been paid in full. Can I tell you when he said it is finished, he said your life, your sins, your debt has been paid in full. God is a good God, isn't he? Yes, he is. So for Christ, hang him on a cross and let him talk. Put him on the, on the cross on Calvary. Set him on top of the mountain and let him say these words tonight. It is finished. You know, we're coming into a generation that's understanding an incredible doctrine. You know what it's called? The finished work of the cross. Yeah, it's starting to become apparent to this generation more and more. We can't work for our salvation. Come on. You can't labor to receive his love. And it's time for us just to sit back and look at God's painting and say, wow, it is finished. The finished work of the cross. Enjoy it. That's what this season is all about. Hallelujah. The finished work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everything that I'll ever need was accomplished on Calvary. That's My right. sins are gone. No more shame holding me. That's what you have done for me. Come on, we're gonna say it again. Say everything. Oh, that I'll ever need was accomplished on Calvary, and my sins are gone. No more shame holding me. That's what you have done for me. Come on, sing. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, my soul, and live in the promises. Resting in the finished work. Come on, it's time to rest in the finished work. Hallelujah. Come on, sing this next verse with us. Say, now I believe, and now I believe, and now I receive. My faith it is happening. Come on, you're already healed. I'm already healed. Yes, I'm already free. That's what you have done. Come on, say, wake up my soul, wake up my soul and live in the promises. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, oh. my hope is built on every word he said. Yeah. Yeah. He said, yeah. he said, the work is finished. Everything you promised me is already Everything 
Yes. Come on, it's time that you rest in the finished work of Christ. Hallelujah. Everything that you need, everything that you have hoped for, everything that God has promised you has already been done. Come on, just lift your hands and receive it right now. Come on, no more worrying, no more striving. Hallelujah. It's already done. Come on, somebody say, already done. By faith we receive it. By faith we believe it. Hallelujah. Yes, Come on, this next part, let's declare and say. The work is finished. The work is finished. I'm walking in. Yes, 
powerful words, it is finished. Hey, get those communion articles right now and go ahead and get them prepared. In a moment, we're going to receive communion together. Now I believe the Lord is going to bring healing in your house. I heard someone say the other day that communion is the meal that heals. And I believe that. Communion is a powerful institution. It represents not only the Lord's Supper, but it represents to us also the Passover, right? So get your communion articles prepared. I brought my family tonight, and I'm going to ask them to join me on the stage right now. And uh, my wife is here, my daughter, son-in-law, and some of my grandkids. And um, we're, we're keeping our safe distance. We're social distancing. Now, family is not doing that so much, as you can see. Yeah, yeah. But that's all good. Come on, Juju, stand right here by Popo. There you go. Be sure they see you, though. There you go, right? There you go. Awesome. So we're going to receive communion together. Come on, baby, right here. Thank you. Awesome. Hopefully and prayerfully you are prepared to receive this with us. But before we do that, we want to say something to the Quest family. We love you. These people love you. And we're praying God's very best for you. Our family prays for your protection during this time. And we plead the blood over your house. I'm certain my daughter pleads the blood over her children. My wife pleads the blood over me. And we plead the blood over you this night. And we not only pray for protection, we pray for God's provision for you and your family. So many people, I was telling Giovanna on the way here, I think it's around 10 million, maybe 10 million people has, have lost jobs. Wow. We need God like never before. We need him now. We need him to finish this curve for us, not flatten it, finish it, and I believe he will. But you know, there was a time in history everybody was instructed by God to go home, close your doors, and stay in your house in Exodus chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 20 says the same thing, go into your homes. And you know what? We're in our houses. We're quarantined, but the blood still works. And the blood is there for you tonight. And as we receive this communion together, we want you to partake with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Let me stop right here and say this. You know, Corinth was a very divided group of people. People were saying, hey, I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by this person. They were all divided. I found out something during this season right here. I heard Bishop Jakes last night say this. It has brought the body of Christ to a place of unity that we've never seen before. We're all on level ground. There's no big I's and little U's anymore. It's common union right now. So he writes this divided church and he says these words, For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, the same night he was betrayed, what a good Savior. The night he was betrayed, he betrothed himself to his disciples through communion. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread, right? He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, listen to these words, Take, eat, 
This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup, hold your cup up, this cup, this cup is the new. Let's all say that together. This cup is the new. Let's say it again. This cup is the new. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. In my what? Blood. There's blood on your house tonight, and it's the blood of the Savior. He said, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. He is coming. And tonight I pray that you have received that wonderful institution called communion right there in your home. You are healed. You are delivered. You are refreshed. You are restored. You are revived in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Babe, why don't you stay up here with me just for a moment? Giovanna, not only is she beautiful, she's, she's an old soul. What do I mean by that? When I get ready to come and preach, I do the same routine, right, babe? When I'm getting ready in my house, I finish praying, I finish studying, and then I put on some old school gospel. I'm talking about you know that foot stomping, pew jumping, that old school gospel where you reach, where, where you play the tambourines and, and all that stuff. And the choir is swaying and all those things. I love that kind of music. And it gets me going. It gets me ready to preach. And uh, I noticed on Facebook lately, Jamie, have you noticed? That so many people are going back to the old school. I was listening to messages by Bishop G.E. Patterson and Daryl Hines and Bishop Noel Jones and them old school preachers. You know what? I believe we ought to go a little old school. But before we do, I want to remind you. Give your Passover offering tonight. Don't forget Exodus 23. He said, during Passover, bring a sacrifice. So tonight, you can text Quest Norman 77977. And bring that Passover offering. Many people brought it to the church today, yesterday, all week. People have been dropping off their Passover offering. I encourage you to participate in that with us tonight. Or you can go to questchurch.com. You can go to the app and click the Give tab. Go ahead, Giovanna. And there's a link in your comments that you can give. Choke me up. Give tonight. Gino, I hear Aaron playing. Aaron, play that guitar just for a minute. Play that guitar. I like that. There you go. Yes, sir. Aaron, I got to tell you something. This is funny. So when I first started preaching, I used to preach in these little churches. 
And they were those wooden frame churches where they had those wooden pews. You get about 80 people in there. And they always had a set of drums over in the corner. You know what I'm talking about, Felicia? Way back in the corner. It was really just a kick drum and a snare. That was about it. Maybe a hi-hat. Maybe that. But they always had an electric guitar. And I remember being in this church. This lady, this black lady, she must have been 85 years old. Ain't had a tooth in her head. And her hair was long, great. And she was about that tall. And her guitar was bigger than her. She had her big old strap. And she was playing that thing, man. And, and the drummer in her just going at it. And they had an organ going at it. And I was looking at her. She was enjoying herself. But that thing was out of tune. The bishop stepped up and said, hold everything. Stop everything. He said, sister, if you're going to play that thing, you're going to have to tune that thing. You know, I listen to Aaron play, and I'm amazed at how God has blessed you. And you know, he feels this in his soul. Something about Quest Church is soulful. I don't know what it is. There's a lot of, it's like we grits and turnip greens and fried chicken and all that old school food. Chicken and dumplings. Don't make me preach in the building. I know the service is over, but I need to hear my man play that guitar one more time. Play that guitar, Aaron. Go ahead. Get the precious love of the Lamb. 